it's wonderful how how the American people display their sportsmanship. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, good night, and thank you so much for giving me a listen. This is the Often Daunted Podcast hosted by me, Burke White, sitting here recording following the game. That game being the very satisfying 74-62 victory over the Minnesota Golden Gophers. And as we do on each episode here on the Often Daunted Podcast, I will be sharing uh, some of my thoughts on that most recent outing from the Hoosiers prior to digging into some of the news surrounding the Indiana basketball program right now. After that, I'll dive into some of the news around the conference, some of the news on the national stage. Uh, that may be relevant to whatever's happening to us right now. And then as I do each episode, I will be digging into our next opponent, and that next opponent being the big one, being the big bad empire right now, the Purdue Boilermakers. Following that, we'll dig into a Hoosier history hit and uh, just get that to you really quick before getting you on out of here. Thank you so much for giving me the listen. Um, if you like the show, feel free to leave a review. Uh, please feel free to subscribe. If you hate the show, uh, don't do anything at all. Just don't leave a review. Don't say how bad it sucks. Uh, nevertheless, I still do appreciate the listen. So let's just get into it. The Hoosiers moved to 4-2 and two in the Big Ten Conference, and uh, I'd have to say a lot of us should be satisfied with that, considering where some of the expectations were on the season. Of course, it hasn't been the prettiest basketball to watch. It hasn't been the pretty, prettiest 4-2 and two basketball. But uh, nonetheless, here we are. And uh, on the back of that 74-62 to victory, you know what that means. That means here on the Often Daunted Podcast, we are playing the song. We cannot falter in the battle. We're tried and true. Indiana, Indiana. Indiana, we're all for you. Indiana came out of the gate ready to play and didn't let up, leading this game wire to wire. The 74-62 victory comes on the back of just what I think is the biggest thing tonight was the hustle. The Hoosiers were putting in the extra effort, and it pays dividends throughout every facet of this team's game. Indiana came out of the gate ready to play. It was, I mean, it was right there in front of us. The game starts, and Malik passing out of a double team for the assist to Trey from deep. Immediately after that, a successful double team on our defensive end ends up forcing the ball out of bounds. Turnover. Good guy's ball. Then the, then the Mbako three. That game started out about as well as anyone could have wished it did. Big, it's, the hustle is, it, it, it is the fuel to everything. And uh, the Hoosiers really did seem to bring an amount of hustle that we had been lacking in performances prior, especially that Rutgers game. I mean, yeah, overall in this game, there were some things you would have liked to see. The rebounds weren't entirely the most uh, decisive victory. Actually, we lost that stat, but, but there was growth there. There was growth in the commitment to it, and uh, the guys played a lot more physical today. That physicality is fueled by that hustle. Just what, what a game for Mackenzie Mbako. He really started to roll out his ability to attack the rim in this game. And uh, lo and behold, that fed into a great night of shooting for him. He really showed off the fact that you cannot defend him like most Indiana teams have been able to be defended in the years prior. His game is so far from one-dimensional on the offensive end. Mackenzie has become a reliable shooter. Yeah, the, the Rutgers game had some ugly ones, but he, here in this Minnesota game, he really brought a level of focus to his offensive game that paid off with his contributions to the stellar outing for the Hoosiers. Mbako hopefully unlocked the next gear for himself here as uh, he led the Hoosiers with 19 points in this game. Mackenzie led the game with 34 minutes. Here's hoping that is a sign that, my, that Mike has, that he's figuring it out, what he wants to do with these rotations. You want to keep the hot hand in. And uh, in this game, Mackenzie, being the hot hand he was, 
I'm glad to see that Mike gave him the minutes he rightfully earned, the, the, the minutes he was rightfully due. Credit to Mike Woodson for being able to see, hey, this is the guy tonight. I'm going to play him. We need that. Because for some reason in some games prior, it just hasn't been there. It, it's Mike Woodson's team. It's Mike Woodson's lineups. It's his rotations. It's, it's all his. But he's, he's going to have to live with the decisions of them. And uh, I, I think this is a good one. Like, I think this is a sign that he is making better decisions now. What do I know? I, 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 I can't be, <laughs> yeah, what do, what do I know critiquing him? I mean, he's done it all. I, I, I haven't done jack shit. But, uh, yeah, in my own opinion, I think that this is a sign of progress being made in how the Hoosiers can effectively manage minutes. Like I said, for, for McKenzie, 19 points on 6 for 12 from the floor, 2 for 4 from 3-point range, 5 for 7 from free throws. Thank God McKenzie Mbako's on this team. He's bringing up the class GPA at the line, for sure. And if he keeps putting together games like this, this, this is the Big Ten freshman of the year. There is nobody else contending with him right now in that regard because the Big Ten freshmen kind of suck right now. Glad to see that McKenzie is able to uh, keep progressing in the right direction and keep building up to the expectations that should come with being a top 10 recruit in this country. What was also impressive about McKenzie's game in this was the fact he only had one turnover. He, he was heavily involved in like every part of the offense while he was on the floor. He was in the mix the whole time. For that freshman who was so involved, who was scoring the most points for our team tonight, uh, that, that, that one turnover, I will take that all day. I will take that all day. He also stepped it up defensively. He really did. I, I feel like Indiana was switch, switching efficiently. They were, uh, I mean, other than when Gabe Cups was like, I'm going to go solo on Dawson. <laughs> that was wild, but no, and, and I'm sure it was partly he, he was feeling it offensively. That You're going to play a little with a little pep in your step on the defensive end. It was just great to see that the Hoosiers were figuring it out, that uh, they came ready to play, ready to play hard, and they did. Kalel Ware ended his night with a 17-point double-double as he was able to tack on 14 rebounds. Going two for two from deep, he, those, those shots were all—it's uh, so, it's so fun watching your seven-footer just drain them from beyond. So glad we have that in the bag this year, and uh, so glad that this Hoosier team was moving the ball well enough, was spreading the floor— was uh, keeping Minnesota honest enough that Kalel was able to get these looks. One thing about Kalel's game that I did want to bring up, Kalel was sat with about five and a half minutes left in the game with four fouls. And this this goes again into <laughs> ride the hot hand. Uh, like I had said before, what do I know? But I, I don't understand why Mike insists on saving so many of these guys for the third halves of these games. What's the problem with a guy fouling out? In most of these situations that our guys in foul trouble have been sat on this team, it, it feels... It honestly feels like you're you're limiting them. I mean, you have to be limiting them more than fouling out would. They 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 would most likely get more minutes if you just wrote it. If you just let them go, there's no shame in fouling out. It means you're playing hard. You're playing physical. You're trying to win. I I, I genuinely don't understand the seemingly unprecedented fear in fouling out on this team right now. Maybe you needed to, maybe you needed some air, but yeah, I don't get it. Malik Renew continues to become one of the conference's most beloved big men as he was able to total 16 points in this game, tacking on six rebounds with that effort. He, he was extremely efficient with his, with his go-to, his, his hooks in the low mid-range. And uh, at the same time, he was also just distributing the hell out of it. That, that alley-oop to Kalel Ware was sick. Absolutely sick. Love to see it. I was genuinely sitting there like, hey, is it that hard to do that every time? I mean, it, ha it has to be, right? Yeah, yeah, it, it has to be. Because they, they make it look so easy at times. The buddy ball was on full display today, and it was a sight to see. What I will say about Malik is I hate Malik Trace comps. Like, Bardo was just throwing around like crazy in this one. I genuinely feel like it's unfair to Malik. We don't need Malik to be Trace Jackson Davis. Nobody can be Trace Jackson Davis. Trace Jackson Davis is a one-of-one. One. That being said, I don't want Malik to be Trace Jackson Davis. 
Malik is his own type of one and one. He will become his own one of one player in this in college basketball. Like, quit quit trying to make this Malik to trace transformation thing try, try to happen because I like Malik and I, I and I think I think Malik has showed off his very uniquely Malik skills like again in this game for sure. But he's been showing that he can bring those uniquely Malik skills skills that Trace Jackson Davis didn't even offer us game in and game out. Malik's pivot foot game is just absolutely unrivaled in this conference, and I'm 100% convinced of that. He's going to continue getting better, and he's going to be the face of this program, and he will he will be the one of the most feared men in this conference. So quit trying to make Malik Trace comps happen. Malik's Malik, and goddamn, we love Malik. In this game, we saw Xavier Johnson didn't get the start, and uh, in the six minutes he did have on the floor, he went negative, he went minus six. For his plus minus now, yeah, that's a bogus stat, but he he genuinely didn't do much in this game. Six minutes, two points, just as many turnovers, one assist, one rebound. Nothing incredible from Xavier Johnson, who was coming off of the flagrant ejection in the last game. All, all this coming off of just, yeah, a boneheaded play last week. But as you observed, he was playing a little reserve. He was a little reserved. But I, I, yeah, while, while it may have affected his game in a negative way, I was glad to see him a little reserved. His game genuinely was not all bad. I, I want to credit X for showing the restraint he had that we most likely wouldn't have saw had he not had to sit to start this one. His, his lack of reaction to some of the game was a, a small sign that he knows he messed up with how he conducted himself in the game prior. So I do say, hey, credit to X for internalizing what he was doing as the captain of this program. On to the other captain of the squad. Like I said before with uh, Kalel, it was a shame uh, Woodson didn't flirt with the foul trouble as Ben Johnson was doing a little there in the first half um, because we saw Trey come out of the game and it just felt like he was ready to go in this one and uh, was really looking to get the guys around him going as well. He's really become a key that I use off offense moving fluidly. In, in in this game, Trey championed Indiana's effort of finding high-quality shots. If the interior was there, take it. Uh, if the interior's clogged, move along the perimeter and find the nice three. He was a key character in this game, with Indiana really being able to rely on him to an extent that we, we desperately need to. Uh, we, we haven't seen it in all these games before, but with his seven assists on the game, with his seven assists on the game, four for five from the floor, two for three from deep, Trey Galloway is becoming one of the biggest point guards in Big Ten. <laughs> like, he isn't a point guard. He isn't. But he is playing a role that we didn't think we would need him to. And Indiana's offense looked genuinely better with him running the offense this game. His ability to distribute the ball in this game gives you hope that this Indiana team can be more fluid like they were here and be far less stagnant like they have been in games past. As for the other Hoosier starter, Gabe Cups. Crowd, the crowd was absolutely dying for Gabe Cups with every attempt he took tonight. Gabe played very well defensively, and uh, he made he made several hustle plays that makes a Hoosier proud. Although there was that one incident where he told Kalel to take Elijah Hawkins, like I had brought up before, while while he would tend to Dawson Garcia on the block. That that was a wild decision made by Gabe Cups. But uh, other than that, he really held it down on the defensive end. Shots didn't fall for him. But uh, if he keeps bringing this effort, if the defensive intensity is still there. The rest, the rest will fall into place. I'm, I'm confident of it. Anthony Walker brought the most off the bench for the Hoosiers tonight, as in his 15 minutes he had nine points on three for seven from the floor and was a perfect three for three from the free throw line. Uh, what, what a crazy, crazy successful night from the free throw line for one of our Hoosiers. It's a shame that three for three is just a crazy successful night, but that's where we're at with our free throw shooting right now. Yeah, nine points for Anthony Walker. That was a uh, bench high as both Xavier Johnson and CJ Gunn added on another three combined. Props to this Minnesota team because I think they genuinely do play a lot more fun brand of basketball than the Minnesota team of last year. 
on the Minnesota side. Dawson Garcia picked up two fouls in the first three and a half minutes of this one. His, his absence may have made a difference, but I don't think it would have made the, made much as the Minnesota man of the hour was Pharrell Payne, uh, just trying to bruise his team's way back into this game. Credit to him for really bringing a physicality that I hope kind of prepped the bigs for the physicality that Purdue will be throwing our way. When Indiana ended the first half with the uh, 11-3 advantage on points off turnovers, yeah, I, I was I was over the moon with how well the Hoosiers were protecting the ball, and uh, I was proud of how they were able to turn it around from the Rutgers performance. Immediately after that first half, the Hoosiers' first two possessions were turnovers, then they continued to have a total of four in the first three minutes and 20 seconds of the second half, and that uh, the, the turnovers just came aplenty. <laughs> Indiana ended the night having turned the ball over 10 times, with Minnesota ending the night having turned the ball over 14. The final outcome for points off turnovers was Indiana 16, Minnesota 10. The turnover differential has been a battle. We have been losing a lot this season. Um, Good to see the Hoosiers be able to put together a little more solid ball control, a lot more in that first half. It was awesome to see them put together that much in the first half. Ball security against Purdue is an absolute unquestioned must, and we need to be a lot more like that first half than the second. Also, just like those effort plays, like uh, those effort, those intelligence plays, like from, from re- rebounds from the entire squad looked far more reliable in this Minnesota game. Uh, there were times in the games prior that I was just like, man, I would love to see a Hoosier grab the ball off the glass. It seemed like a lot of the times they were trying to read the bounce. And uh, it was awesome to see them getting a little after it today compared to uh, performances prior. Minnesota still won the battle for the rebounds, 42-40, to 40, but Indiana's 12 offensive rebounds were nice to see, unquestionably. Even though, even though they had given up 13 to Minnesota, which usually the difference in our re- offensive rebounds between us and our opponent have been pretty abysmal. So this is by no means a good rebounding performance. I mean, we still lost it. I, I was just grateful to see the Hoosiers progressing in the right direction in that aspect of the game. Speaking of aspects of the game, like... Uh, just the single most frustrating aspect of this game, the last game of this Indiana team right now. Seven for 13 on free throws in the first half. That was just barely better than Shaq's career 52% average. They continued less than good free throw shooting into the second half of this game, ending the game 16 for 27 from the charity stripe. Now, I am still thinking I'm on the team of uh, don't don't boo your own guys to critique the most mental aspect of this game, but, but I don't know. What, what do I know? Maybe, maybe, I mean, it, it was bad free throw shooting. Maybe it does need booed because it's just that preposterous that it's happening. But there is a case of team-wide free throw yips going on. And uh, I don't know what it's going to take to fix this short of an exorcism right now. This team has a free throw demon, and we need to find a way to get rid of it. The Hoosier shot the ball a total of 14 times from behind the line today. Or, yeah, behind the uh, three-point line. And after going four for 10 in that first half, they only took four in that second, but they were able to knock half of them down. Six for 14 on the night. That is a that is a good three-point shooting night for the Hoosiers. That is a good enough to keep teams honest three-point shooting night for the Hoosiers. And with the bigs we have down low, that's all we need with our three-point shooting. We need to be able to rely on it to stretch the floor. We need to rely on it to uh, make defensive players commit to open shooters because earlier in this season, that just wasn't even needed by opposing defenses. You could have let a shot all day. We weren't making any. Luckily, the Hoosier team seems to be putting it together, seems to be finding the range and finding a way to make a difference at the three-point line. And that success is coming on both ends. As, uh, as we struggled to defend the three-point line for most of the non-conference, no, all the non-conference, uh, the Hoosiers won this game with a great defensive effort fueled by that hustle that I had mentioned earlier. Uh, just, just holding Minnesota to 39% from the floor in an insane 15% from three. 15% from a team that was letting Ryan Curry 
feast from behind the line. That's Army's point guard, Ryan Curry. So crazy that I have to forever know an Army point guard's name now because of that lackluster performance <laughs> earlier in the season. All in all, that, that was the Hoosier viewing experience I enjoy to have. Watching Indiana handle business at home, I will sit back, put my feet up, and I will inhale that viewing experience. While this game ends with certain questions around Xavier, are we going to be able to rely on him moving forward? While there are those questions, they, this game should put a lot of Hoosiers at ease. It should. I, I say that knowing damn well this Hoosier team could be a very different-looking unit each night of the week. But with Mackenzie Mbako leading the charge, I feel like there is something to be said in this game. Mackenzie Mbako is really hitting a gear we haven't seen. He, I mean, career-high in points, of course he is. But his ability to cut is something that we haven't seen. Cut and also distribute. He was just feeling it. He was just feeling every part of that offensive game. And it's exciting to see what is still in store, what he will be able to do, and what this team can do with him, bringing all of these tools that we thought he would have to his game right now. Great showing by the Hoosiers. I, I, I'm proud of them for that one, for sure. You wish they could have really stepped on their throats to end it, but 12-point victory, I'm going to take that all day. I think we were the four-and-a-half-point favorite. 12-point victory, I'll take it all day. The good, the bad, and the ugly in that game. The good, let's go with Mackenzie Mbako's huge night. Mackenzie started this season struggling beyond, I mean, his defensive lapses were jarring to witness. But as he's become more and more comfortable with this team, more and more comfortable with the college basketball game, he's really just, he's really starting to find his role, starting to find a way to contribute on both ends of the floor. And uh, this 19-point outing for him points to that. And then I'm also going to go with Trey's 7 assists, 10.7 assists. Trey is filling a role in distribution that we didn't think that he would need to at any point of his Indiana career, but now, he, now he's, he's doing it well, or he did here. We're going to need it against the Boilermakers. The bad, I'm going to go with rebounding. I'm still going to put rebounding here. <laughs> Better rebounding. Better rebounding, but still bad rebounding, because before it was kind of abysmal rebounding. Also bad, just Xavier Johnson's outing. Um, there, it, there's so much going into that, just how, how his last game ended, how the Hoosiers were able to be as successful as they were when he wasn't on the floor in this one. It's just unfortunate to see for somebody that you do want to see him find success. We all do. But yeah, it's a weird one right now. Yeah. As for the downright ugly, turnovers. turnover Those second half turnovers were ugly. They were ugly. But more so than that, we have the free throws. Those free throws were downright ugly. Downright ugly. We need every opportunity we can get. And when we are given the opportunity to head to the charity stripe, the Hoosiers need to start knocking these down more reliably. And yeah, there's no there's no other way to put it. It's it's it it is a program wide case of the yips. And we need a social, like a sports psychologist. We need somebody to come in here and figure it out. Figure out how to fix these guys at the charity stripe. After that game, Indiana currently sits at the fourth spot in the Big Ten standings at 4-2. and two. Northwestern, the one spot above us at 3-1. and one. And Purdue, the spot below us at 3-2, and two, along with Minnesota. Again, this Minnesota win is a decent win. They were coming off of a seven-game win streak. Their offense is moving a lot better than uh, than their teams prior. And yeah, I'm, I'm going to celebrate this win. This was a good win. Enjoy the weekend. Enjoy the weekend because it started with a Hoosier victory. Let's get on to some Indiana news. Not too much for you, just two little notes on the Indiana program right now. There is a new offer out. Indiana has offered 6-7 small forward Gabe Weiss from the class of 2026. Gabe Weiss is out of Springfield, Kentucky, and at this time also has offers from Cincinnati, Tennessee Tech, Ohio and College of Charleston. So right now we are the biggest, prettiest program that he has been off. Yeah, that was just just uh, one uh, potential Hoosier who received an offer during that Ohio State game. Paul Biancardi 
with ESPN has reported that Derek Queen's announcement is targeted to be around the February 1st date. I know plenty of you are probably tired of keeping up with uh, just his, this insanely long recruitment, but it is an important possible pickup and an important possible domino in regards to uh, who else may be interested in playing in Bloomington, like uh, his good buddy Dewan Davis. If you're interested in seeing Queen or our guy Liam McNeely, Montverde will be playing Sunday at 7.30 on ESPN2. Yeah, I said it was short Indiana news. Yeah, it was like a three-day turnaround between this game and the last. And uh, luckily, Indiana is not in the news because, as you'll see in the case of Michigan, staying out of the news is a good thing. So let's get into that Big Ten Conference news. This Wednesday, Michigan point guard Doug McDaniel shared on his socials, We'll be serving a six-away game suspension starting tomorrow. I'm active for every home game, though. Please don't DM me or ask me about it. Just respect it. We'll be back on the road next month. Till then, my buddy's gun hold it down. See y'all at home. In tandem, there was a statement made by uh, Michigan head coach, Juwan Howard, who said, We have very high standards within our program, culture, and university. Serving as mentors, we need to set the standards and pathways for our young men to succeed. Beginning with our game at Maryland, Doug McDaniel will not travel to road games until further notice. Doug will dress for home games. However, when we are away from Ann Arbor, he will work towards meeting several academic goals he has set and needs to meet. While I'm disappointed, this is not something we take lightly. This is an important step for Doug and his success as a student athlete. Going forward, we will not have further comment. Of course you won't, Michigan. God, I love how they we aren't going to say anything else. Don't ask us. That's the Michigan motto, right? So, yeah, Doug McDaniel will be serving his academic probation as uh, away games only canceled for him, which is uh, has to be unprecedented in college basketball. But as we've seen before, Michigan's so good at self-policing. No wonder they thought this was an all right idea. Uh, there's not much to think about it. It's just me. Doug McDaniel is that Michigan team right now. They don't have anything else. Olivier Nakamo offers some uh, some reliable production for him. But other than that, the whole show was, it was the Doug McDaniel show. That sucks for their chances in any away games. They are, uh, yeah, basically what it comes down to is pretty soon when all those Michigan football fans start paying attention to basketball now that the season's over, it's going to get really loud in Ann Arbor because this whole coaching situation, the decisions that this administration is making are bananas. Another bananas decision was uh, just Matt Painter. Matt Painter had a hilarious post-court storming outburst. After any of these losses, it seems like he's taking the mic on edge and with a with far less self-confidence than he undoubtedly has earned, like than he should have. Right now, I would kill to have court stormed on Indiana. I would. I genuinely would. If you don't know what I'm talking about, here it is. So we got to do something about the court storms, guys. I don't know why institutions aren't ready for it. Like, what did you think was going to happen if they won? Like, spread the word. Spread the word before somebody gets hurt. You know, a student from Nebraska should be able to storm the court, right? Like, we're cool. Like, just, like, get ready for it. That's what you're going to do. So, like, we're, we're struggling in our conference with that. We got, we have a, our freshmen, sophomore, and juniors have never lost a road game without a court storm. Think about that. So this isn't, think about that. Put that in your article. He has a tendency to get really sour after these uh, losses. It's, it's, I'm always going to take an opportunity to take a shot at Matt Painter. And man, don't bitch about court storming. I would die for every team that beat, that beat Indiana to storm the court against Indiana. It's just a testament to where your program's at and uh, where I desperately want these Hoosiers to get. Yeah, just don't 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 be bitching about it. It it only makes you look like a pouting little child, like a baby. In other news, this uh, 
this week in college basketball had a first as a it was the first time in a 48 hour span of college basketball that four of the top five ranked teams were upset there are no truly great teams this year and with those upsets including that houston team with that the 76 hoosiers are still the last team to go undefeated in college basketball let's get into some results around the conference Northwestern was bailed out by poor officiating a few times when the Wildcats rolled into Happy Valley and beat the Nittany Lions 76-72. Kanye Cleary certainly did his part with 25 points in the game, but Northwestern's 58% shooting from three-point range was too much for Penn State to overcome. Ohio State continued their backslide with the 60-71 loss at home to Wisconsin. Jameson Battle continues to splash it for the Buckeyes as he went 4-5 for five from deep. But A.J. Storr and Max Clement were too much for the Buckeyes with 35 points combined. In a game being played in Maryland, meaning no Doug McDaniel, like I said before, the Wolverines fell to the Terps 57-64. I thought for sure this game was going to be a game that Jameer Young won on his own. But it was Dante Scott leading the way with 22 points in what was a very, very ugly game to watch. Not as ugly as Rutgers, though. That, that Rutgers-Indiana game, it will have, will be, should please be the ugliest game I've had to watch all year. Illinois gets the three-point victory, 71-68 over Michigan State in Champaign. Incredible distribution amongst both sides, as this game saw nine players hit double-digit scoring. Illinois with five players and Michigan State with four. In another sign that any team in this conference can beat any team any given night. The Nebraska Cornhuskers fell to Iowa, 76-94, as three different Iowa players, Owen Freeman, Peyton Sanford, and Tony Perkins, all hit double-doubles. Owen Freeman and Peyton Sanford's coming with points and rebounds, while Tony Perkins got his with points and assists. 15 assists on the night, to be exact. And I know I went to it before, but here we go. I'm going to run down the standings for you. Wisconsin, number one right now at 4-0. Illinois, 3-1. Northwestern, 3-1. Indiana sitting there with the last top four buy spot at 4-2. Purdue just outside looking in at 3-2. Minnesota, 3-2. Nebraska, 3-3. Ohio State, 2-3. Iowa, 2-3. Maryland, 2-3. Penn State, 2-3. Rutgers, 1-3. That one, God, that hurts. Michigan State, 1-4. Michigan, 1-4. Things are starting to take shape, and right now, you know what? I, I like where the Hoosiers are at right now. We, we always knew this wasn't going to be a team that was going to take the floor in the first game like they would the last. At this point in time, I'm happy to be sitting in that fourth spot. We have a lot of work left to go, but we aren't in an unsalvageable position, and this team is starting to salvage. So uh, I have a lot of optimism about where we're heading. With that in mind, where we're heading is a matchup with our biggest, our most intense rival in this conference. Our most intense rivals down the street for some of us, the Purdue Boilermakers. After this word for our partners, I will be getting into the upcoming game with the Purdue Boilermakers and uh, just be sharing some thoughts of mine heading into it. All that right after this. The Often Daunted Podcast is brought to you in partnership with Big Banter Sports. Big Banter Sports, a collection of Big Ten podcasts, each of them. We have a basketball podcast, a football podcast for all of your Big Ten schools. If you've never listened to the Indiana Football Podcast on our network, go check out Who's Your Happy Hour. Just an awesome Indiana football show talking about all the latest in the transfer portal. And uh, I'd love to hear about their thoughts on Alabama's most recent hire, having been a Hoosier. So go check them out. Uh, great bunch of guys making an awesome show. If you haven't, uh, go check out Big Banter Sports. And uh, if you haven't followed me on all socials, at Often Daunted. I'm everywhere out there at Often Daunted. Thank you so much. All right, let's talk about this Purdue team a little bit. I wanted to kind of just preview it, you know, as I did the rest, but I can't preview this Purdue team as I have the rest of the previews I've done on this show. This is It's Purdue. We all know what to expect with Purdue. This is undoubtedly one of the best teams and programs in the country right now. Purdue is currently 14-2, 3-12, 3-2 in conference, 
Uh, currently, Ken Palm's number three ranked team with the number two adjusted offense and number 17 adjusted defense. This uh, Purdue Boilermakers team, they are coming into Assembly Hall with probably the most impressive record out there. Not record, I mean resume, as far as NCAA tournament seeding goes. Yes, despite those two losses, they still have the most impressive resume with just the caliber of opponents they've been able to beat. Zach Eady is Zach Eady is Zach Eady is Zach Eady. What, what can I sit here and tell you about the National Player of the Year that you don't already know? The dude is huge as hell. He's going to present so many problems with anyone trying to drive, anyone trying to get anything at the rim which uh, so much of our game is. But but there are ways that I think Indiana could attack Edie, could get him into uncomfortable positions where some of his game, because there's no beat, he, he is a great player. There's no dominating Zach Edie. There's no code to dominate him. But I think there, there is a way to get opportunities against him. And hopefully this Indiana team can find them, can spread the floor, can uh, look to have him try to come out so you can beat him on the dribble, whatever it's going to take. But, I mean, we, we know Zach Edie. He's going to bring it. He's probably going to have a double-double. You're not going to stop him. You just got to kind of limit him the best you can. Braden Smith, I mean, Braden Smith is absolutely taking the jump in his game. That sophomore jump has hit him well. He has become a consistent threat for a possible triple-double at this point, which is incredible. Incredible for a sophomore. A sophomore with very little expectations heading into his college career. Braden Smith is currently averaging 6.7 assists per game on the year, while also tallying 2.7 turnovers generated a game. He is shooting 47% from deep as he has just shown off an incredible range this season. Averaging 12.8 points, 5.4 rebounds, Braden Smith is doing a little bit of everything this year. His partner in crime, Fletcher Lawyer, has been pretty damn hot and cold. He, he really opened up the season to a few snoozer performances, a few very big letdowns for him, but he began to put it together and I mean, no surprise, Fletcher Lawyer in his second year is dropping buckets. He can hit it from three. Currently shooting 41.1% from deep. If given the opportunities and if given the open looks, Fletcher Lawyer will make you pay. Their newest addition, Lance Jones, brings an athleticism to this Purdue team that wasn't entirely present in the team last season. He plays hard, but if the Hoosiers can significantly pressure his game and force him into tough situations along the perimeter or or while he is driving the bucket, like he is liable to turn the ball over. The, the transfer from Southern Illinois really brings something to this team that was much needed from last year's in just the, his ability to get out in the open court, his ability to run the floor as athletically as he does. Co-big man with the ED down low, Trey Kaufman-Wren, is coming off of a zero-point game in which he had zero assists and five rebounds. This, this, that that game is not indicative to his overall game at all. Trey Kaufman-Wren has taken a stride in his sophomore outing. I mean, nothing to the likes of Malik Renew. Malik Renew, he's him. But nonetheless, Trey Kaufman-Wren is, is taking strides in his own right. And uh, I, I definitely can't expect him to have a letdown of a game like that, as just in the game prior, he had his career high with 23 points in Mackey. With Trey Kaufman-Wren sliding, sliding into that starting position this season, Mason Gillis now comes off the bench to relieve Trey Kaufman. And uh, he's really starting to find a shot from deep again at this point in the season. Um, coming off of his two last games where he went 66 and 50% from deep, with that 50% showing being him going for 5 for 10 against Nebraska, Mason Gillis, uh, I, I believe he got a flagrant against Nebraska as well. So uh, classic Gillis, but also classic Gillis, he's able to hit a three or two. In this game, I mean, Purdue's going to be looking for a fight on the glass, and our bigs will need to be ready. Need to be ready far more than they have been in games leading up to this. While the effort they found against Minnesota was progress, it absolutely was progress, heaps more will be needed to contend with with Purdue's ability to find rebounds. When Purdue is absolutely stepping on teams' throats, more often than not, it is from them being able to get to the free throw line. And uh, being able to take advantage of those trips to the line, 
when they get them. While they do shoot well from beyond at 39.4% as a team, they win games through attrition. They are a mechanized monster on the hardwood right now. But if the Hoosiers can effectively guard Edie by uh, well-timed double teams, um, forcing Purdue's backcourt to beat us with the three, I-, I think Indiana has their chance in this game. It's a game in Assembly Hall. Indiana always has their chance. But I think if, if we don't have Jalen hood Chafino guys. It's going gonna, it's gonna to have to take a little more than just one guy going off for the Hoosiers to get this win this year. I, I think that the Hoosiers have their chance to really get to the Purdue backcourt here. And, and when I say Hoosiers, I don't just mean the guys on the floor. I mean the guys in the crowd. I mean the guys in the, neck, in the upper deck. The, the sophomore guards on Purdue have taken immense strides. Immense strides. But this game being played in Assembly Hall is giving me a feeling that the Hoosiers may be able to rattle the cage a bit. Rattle the cage a bit, and the shooting may not be lights out. If both of those can somehow happen, I feel like the Hoosiers can find a way to get a win here. Offensively, if I'm the Hoosiers, I'm spreading the floor and hoping that this three-point shooting, um, springing its head up now for us, is for real. And we can uh, force ED out. Or, or if they... If they're going to park ED down low and not have him man up on Malik or Kalel when they uh, step out, then make the rest of their team exhausted, getting the ball around the outside and hunting highly efficient opportunities as they really started to do for the most significant way in this Minnesota game that we've seen all season. Indiana, in seasons prior, have taken low-value shots. That that wasn't the case today. Indiana was making the extra pass. Indiana was passing out three-point shooters. When have we ever done that? We're finding valuable shots, and uh, that needs to carry into this Purdue matchup. If McKenzie can continue to keep Purdue's defense honest, I, I think our Hoosier team can present some unique problems for Purdue. Wasted possessions cannot be afforded, cannot be afforded whatsoever. Like I said before, the turnovers in this game need to look far more like the first half of this Minnesota game than the second. Purdue will be coming off of a game honoring Purdue's 1974 NIT champions. What a thrill to celebrate on the game before uh, heading into Assembly Hall. Ho- hopefully, hopefully that Purdue team will have come down from the highs that I imagine an NIT celebration night would entail before our matchup. Celebrating NITs, get out of here. Why do you guys have such a good program and then you go and do clown stuff like that? On to your Hoosier history hit. <laughs> This is your Hoosier History Hit. For your Hoosier History Hit today, I wanted to speak a little to the history of the IU-Purdue rivalry. Because this, this rivalry is, is held in high regard, if you, if you ask me personally. Of course it is. But it's unquestionably one of the better rivalries out there. And I wanted to speak to a little a break in the rivalry that happened to start off the uh, turn of the century. That being the 20th century. Between the period of 1906 and 1908... IU and Purdue suspended all athletic contests against, against one another. This was coming on the backs after just the two schools have been embattled over a fight for a medical school at, the, at their location, um, where in 1903, IU President William Lowe Brown received approval to develop a two-year basic medical science program located in Bloomington, Indiana, but he ultimately wanted a four-year medical school, a total, total devoted medical school um, located in Indianapolis with his intention of uh, moving a lot of Indiana University's growth to Indianapolis in particular. In 1904, Brian uh, moved on these desires of his and he began negotiating with the Medical College of Indiana and later with the Central College of Physicians and Surgeons to merge with IU in Indianapolis. However, a greedy, if you ask me, Purdue University president Winthrop E. Stone also wanted a medical school. In 1905, Stone beat Brian 
to the Medical College of Indiana deal, and the Medical College of Indiana was merged with Purdue. Shortly after this, the Fort Wayne College of Medicine, now IPFW, or then turned into IPFW, I believe, which is now Purdue Fort Wayne, and the CCPS, which was the Central College of Physicians and Surgeons. They uh, both both merged up with Purdue. What wasn't so uh, what wasn't so great about this deal though was uh, CCPS was negotiating secretly behind IU's back while uh, in talks with Purdue. And uh, once Brian and IU found out about this little backdoor dealing, they came out swinging. I, I, IU and Purdue, both administrations were just hurling insults, um, just, yeah, just everything you can imagine at each other. And eventually, within Indiana's General Assembly, the merger with Purdue for those schools was sank, or with CCPS at least. And in April of 1908, IU came in to salvage the deal and uh, create the IU School of Medicine, which began in that same year, 1908. While, while this, this is largely the reason pointed to that this two-year break in athletic competition, or three-year break in athletic competition came about, there is also one incident in particular that is pointed to, where on May 31st, 1906, in the IU baseball team beat the Boilermakers 3-1 to in West Lafayette before about 1,600 fans in attendance. And according to the Indianapolis Morning Star, the home team's loss robbed Purdue of championship chances. After that game, a mob ascended on the IU players, and just after verbally insulting them, Purdue fans then uh, struck the IU players with rocks, just hurling them at them, you know, trying to take them out. That's what they do. They, they, they'll fight dirty. They'll fight dirty. When the visiting players were walking to their uh, truck, they were just pelting them with rocks the whole time. Walking to their uh, bus, sorry. Just pelting them. Just pelting the hell out of them. Within days of the report done by Morningstar on the event, the Purdue Athletic Association announced there will be a severance of all athletic relations with Indiana University. And yeah, there, there is just a gap in our athletic competitions where you'll see uh, between 1906 and 1908, Purdue refused to play the Hoosiers um, because they beat them and then Purdue assaulted us in anger. Weird. <laughs> that was your Hoosier history hit. Sorry if it was a little choppy for you. Thank you again so much for listening to this episode of the Often Daunted Podcast. As I am after every episode, I will be back to you Wednesday morning. So wake up, give me a listen. I'll be recapping Indiana's win over Purdue because we are going to get it. We are going to get it. We're going to. It's going to happen. Assembly Hall, magic happens at that place. I, I, I genuinely think the, I, yeah, I'm an idiot, guys. I'm, I'm an optimistic idiot. The Hoosiers are going to get it done, and they're going to find a way to get the best win on their resume on the season if you haven't given me a subscribe feel free to if you haven't followed me on twitter instagram um threads even <laughs> at often daunted everything's that often daunted uh, thank you so much again you and yours have a great weekend lux at veritas down with the boilermakers go hoosiers